The epistle lesson today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. It can be found on page 1053 and 1054 in your pew Bible. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ, Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The gospel lesson today is from the book of John. The first chapter, verses um, 9 through 13, and that can be found on page 966 in your pew Bible. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own. And his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word of the Lord. I want to take just a moment to say to all of you how much Carol and I have appreciated the privilege of being here with you in Mount Pleasant the past 12 months. It's been one of the real joys of our lives and of my ministry to to have had this opportunity to to live and work with you and, and to get to know so many of you. I told Carol the other day, if we could stay one more year, I think I'd know the names of everybody in the church. But um, that, that's not to be. Um, but it, it, a part of the joy has been that with so many of you, uh, I've been able to make connections with people that we have known in other places across the last 45 or 50 years. Uh, and it's, it's amazing how small a world our Presbyterian world is. Uh, when we start looking at all the connections and friendships and relationships that we have with people. So I I thank you for the year that we've had together and and for the privilege of having been a a very small part of of the life and and witness of this wonderful congregation. And I I also want to to say to you how, how happy I am for you 
that you will have the privilege of, of getting to know Danny Massey. For those of you who don't know him, uh, Danny and I have known each other for probably more years than either one of us wants to admit, although the gray hair is very uh, telling. But um, I, I know that, that um, you all are going to enjoy getting to know Danny and uh, you, you will appreciate the leadership and the skills that he brings to this ministry. Um, the sense of humor that he has uh, and, and the, the commitment he has to the service of Christ. And I, um, there, there's a part of me that would like to be here with you to enjoy that ministry, uh, but uh, you, you will be blessed by his presence here. Let's bow together now for a moment of prayer. Gracious God, we have read and heard your word and we pray now that you will take that ancient word and write it afresh on our hearts and minds, that it may be the roadmap for us in walking the pathway of discipleship. We pray in the name of Christ and for his sake. Amen. As Kim has indicated to the children this morning, I, I think most of us find something truly refreshing about the coming of a new year. I know that by now most of the evidences of our holiday celebrations have been packed away or thrown away. Uh, memories of certain bowl games will heal uh, or at least will fade with the passing of time. The black-eyed peas and collard greens have probably gone the way of all leftovers, if you had any leftovers. We, we didn't. And despite the snow and ice that we've enjoyed the last few days, things are getting pretty much back to normal for most of us, whatever normal looks like these days. I know at least we, we dress the same way, and we will go back to the same schools or jobs, and we'll follow the same routines and read the same papers and pursue many of the same interests. But somehow, the changing of the pages of the calendar really does seem to make things a little different for us. It seems to give birth to a new hope within us. It offers us all a chance to start over. It raises the possibility that things can and will be better than they were last year. And sometimes we go so far as to express our hopes in the form of resolutions and declarations of good intentions. And we do things like pledging to do our jobs more effectively and to attend to our schoolwork more diligently, to be more active in the life of the church than we were last year. We resolve that we're going to smoke less and eat less, and we're going to lose some weight this year. We determine we're going to be better stewards of our resources than we were last year. We're, we're going to, to exercise a little bit more. We're going to spend more time with our family. And all of those are, are good intentions, good resolutions, and chances are pretty good that we'll try in some way to do most of them because they all represent for us at least something of what it means to start over. We know, of course, that we're the same people we were last year. 
But we still cherish the hope that the passing of the old year and the coming of the new somehow will alter our lives and our circumstances. We yearn for some sort of transformation of heart and mind that will allow us truly to become what we want to be and what we sometimes even go so far as to pretend we are. It has always seemed right to me that we gather as a community of faith around the Lord's table early in the new year. I know we've been here before. We come here often as a church family. But somehow it just seems different this time of year. And I think that may be because this is the season of resolutions and renewed hopes for new beginnings. And because this table represents for us the transformation of life and the renewal of hope that we yearn to know. As we receive the bread and wine here at this table, as we commune with Christ and with each other in this fellowship, we are reminded that our yearning to start over, our yearning for a new beginning, is not an idle dream. Because here we are met by the one whose love takes us as we are, wherever we may be, and transforms us into what he intends us to be. At this table, I think more than anywhere else in the entire world, we are assured that life really can begin again. That in Christ, we receive the gift of starting over. We all come to this table, of course, knowing that we are in no way worthy of the love that we find here. But we come because the attraction of this table is so great, the magnetism of it is so powerful that we really can't resist it. And so we come here, perhaps pretending to be better than we are, wearing masks that we hope will cover our unworthiness. And we come here praying that nobody will show up to unmask us, to reveal our pride and our weakness, our slowness to forgive each other, our lack of tolerance, our lust for things, our desire to exercise power over other people. And I think what happens to us here is very much like what happened to a character in one of Max Beerbohm's stories. He describes a very wicked man who wore the mask of a saint in order to court and win the hand of a beautiful girl he loved. Years later, a cast-off girlfriend from the past discovered what he had done, and she confronted him. She dared him to remove the mask in front of his beloved, to show his face for the awful and ugly thing it was. Feeling very much ashamed, the man did as he was told, only to discover that beneath the saint's mask, his face really had become the face of a saint. By the power of a love he was nowhere near worthy to receive, he was redeemed and made completely new. In the same way, I think life begins again for you and me here at this table. Here, the creating and recreating love of God 
in Jesus Christ sees through all of our disguises, all of our pretenses to the very depth of our need. And he continues to work in us that redemption of life and renewal of character that we can never hope to achieve for ourselves. He sets us on the way to being more tolerant and more loving toward each other, to being more merciful and more forgiving of each other's shortcomings. He helps us to be more patient and understanding than we've ever been before. He deepens our commitment to the ways of his truth and renews us in our walk of discipleship. In a word, he works the miracle of rebirth in us so that life really can and does begin again. John described it this way. He said, to all who receive him, to all who believe in him, he gave power to become children of God, born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. Paul put it like this. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You may choose to say it in a number of different ways. But regardless of how you say it, in this new year and all through the year, the good news is simply this. That all who come to Christ, trusting in the power of his redeeming and transforming love, will find at this table and in him, that life really does begin again. He truly makes all things new, even you and me. Thanks be to God.